0: The Lord be with you. Together let us pray the prayer for illumination. Stir up, O oh Lord, the wills of your faithful people, that bringing forth in abundance the fruit of good works. May we be abundantly rewarded when our Savior Jesus Christ comes to restore all things. Who lives and reigns with you and with the Holy Spirit one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from the 136th Psalm, verses one through nine. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. O give thanks to the Lord, to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. O give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. Who alone does great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. Who by understanding made the heavens, for his steadfast love endures forever. Who spread out the earth on the waters, for his steadfast love endures forever. Who made the great great lights, for his steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day, for his steadfast love endures forever. The moon and stars to rule over the night, for his steadfast love endures forever. Here ends the reading.
1: The Epistle Lesson, Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Listen with me for the Word of God. The Apostle Paul wrote, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, thy word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit we pray. Amen. Counting your blessings just might get you in trouble. Might. You see, The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Colossians, he was wanting the people back in that day and time to be filled with thanksgiving, only it wasn't because of enumerating all of the different blessings according to our own perspective. It was more about having a deep appreciation for what God was doing within their lives. You see, Colossae was a town in what's currently known as Turkey. Just a mere coincidence that that's a geographical phenomenon just a few days before Thanksgiving. Don't read too much into that. (laughs) Paul was writing to these people, and Thanksgiving is saturated throughout the letter. Right at the beginning, he tells these people, I pray to God... For you with thanksgiving in my heart. And then in the first chapter, Paul talks about how Jesus Christ reigns supreme over all of creation. So there are some doctrinal statements at the beginning. He wants to make sure that they are of the right belief. And then in chapter 2, he gets to talking about ethics. How to live together as a reflection of right belief. So to help the people stay focused on right living, he says what you need to do is recognize how you are rooted and strengthened by what Jesus Christ has done for you. And when you recognize what you have been taught and how you have been living in this way, and as you grow in this way and as you continue... You will be abounding with thanksgiving. So to go back and to read the original Greek here, here's what you'd find. The word for abounding has this connotation of overflowing or having so much that you have leftovers. Leftovers. Are you looking forward to having leftovers later in this week? Now, I want you, in your mind's eye, when you think about the food of Thanksgiving, where there's so much that you might have leftovers, when you think about all the food, what's your favorite? What's your favorite Thanksgiving food? Is there a particular dish that you remember somebody in your family making? Maybe a particular kind of casserole or maybe a particular kind of pie? My grandma would make ambrosia, a kind of fruit salad with marshmallow. And I look forward to it every single year. It's been several years since she's been with us. And recently, I've been inspired. I'm going to make ambrosia this year, minus minus the coconut, though. I I just, I I can't do coconut. (laughs) But it's going to have all the fruit and the marshmallow and other stuff all mixed in there together, because I want my kids to enjoy it. My mom's gonna be there too. And I'm hoping that maybe through eating the ambrosia, there could be some sort of connection of the generations. Sounds silly, I know. But maybe your family has another version of that. Do you have a particular dish that you say, oh, this is the best I've ever had? My wife makes the absolute best cornbread stuffing, it's delicious. Now, you might say to yourself, my wife makes the best cornbread stuffing. Or you might say, I make the best cornbread stuffing. Well, the good news is we could all enjoy the different dishes and things that we have around our different tables. And as we enjoy the food that's prepared in different ways around our loving homes, we have this way, don't we, of being thankful. And we're taught as little children that we need to count our blessings. I think we need to be careful, though, because we just might get in trouble. Now, on the surface, counting our blessings seems like a noble task, and it's a good way to teach children. But here's what happens. In our mind's eye, we start enumerating the blessings one two three four five we make a little excel spreadsheet in our mind about all the things that to put it simply make us happy the things we like when our preferences line up with what we have in our possession and we call those blessings and we're taught that for all of these reasons on our spreadsheet we need to be thankful to god Well, here's what happens to us, though, people being people. Perhaps nobody's explicitly telling us, but we can't help but also make another column in the spreadsheet. Next to the reasons why we're so happy for the things that we have, there's another list. Things why we're disappointed, why we're upset, frustrated, confused. Things that are not what we want, but we have them anyway. And so, in the depths of our spirit, we think about that list also, and that's reason for us to not be thankful, to not give God thanks and praise. And I believe there are many people out there in the world who focus on this list quite a bit. They focus on the list of things that don't go their way, things that they don't have, things that frustrate them, bother them. And in in their spirit, they see that as a reason to not believe in God. Paul says, recognize what God is doing in your life. Look at it. Appreciate it. Understand the depths of it. And from there will come an overflowing of thanksgiving. I think part of the challenge for us is we find ourselves here, but we want to be there, wherever there might be for you. I recently learned about a new app that you can download onto your phone where you can add a touch of Dutch to your life. It's based on how the Netherlands is evidently such a wonderful place to live. I've never been, I've read about it, and maybe you have too. The people of the Netherlands evidently report having a high quality of life. Why? All kinds of reasons. For starters, it's relatively safe and clean. There are social structures in place where people connect and meet together, not to mention part of the social structure being a high-caliber healthcare system. There's a really good work-life balance for people in the Netherlands. It's beautifully landscaped with flowers and cobblestone streets, and people like to ride their bicycle hither and yon in the Netherlands. And so here's what you can do. You can download this app on your phone, and you can take a photograph of your street where you live. And then through AI technology, they can add a touch of Dutch, and it'll show what your street would look like if it were... Not here, but there. So you can kind of play in the fantasy of what it would be like. In many ways, that's representative of how so many of us approach life every day. Because we're so frustrated with being here, we would much rather be there. For some of us, there is many years ago with people who are no longer with us. And a culture that has faded away. For many of us, there is another city or community in real time. And still for others, there is somewhere in their imagination of what they hope life might be like five years from now, 20 years from now. If I can just get through the hardship of the current reality... Because life is so difficult now. I just want to get away from here. I want to be there. And while we are so dissatisfied with here, that list of ways that we're dissatisfied keeps growing. And people suppose they have reason to level against God about why they should not be thankful and why they should not be of faith. What has God done for me lately, someone might ask. Well, John Wesley, the great founder of the Methodist movement, had had a wonderful way for us to examine that question. And he had a metaphor that I want you to reflect upon with me. The metaphor involves a porch and a house. So just imagine a regular house, with a porch, and and you step up into the porch. And when you step up onto the porch, you are there, and you look around, and you see, hey, I've, I've arrived, almost. You're not into the house yet. To make it into the house, you have to cross over the threshold, go through the front door, and then you'll be in the house. Well, for Wesley, he said that the porch represents God's prevenient grace, God's presence and power at work within your life, even before you recognize it, welcoming you. It's open, airy, spacious, giving you the capacity to be welcomed. And then when you step into the porch, then you recognize where the front door is and you choose to step foot into the house. Not coerced, not forced. When you step foot into the house, that's your choice. That is responding to God's gracious invitation. That's God's justifying grace. It's a decision. You walk in and then when you live in the house... That's God's sanctifying grace, making you more holy, perfecting you in love, giving you the capacity to love God and to love others more fully and freely. What has God done for me? God has welcomed me. God has provided opportunity for me. God has loved me so much that God has welcomed me home Don't we want to be home for Thanksgiving? Life does not exist purely on the porch, but life happens in the home when we are sanctified by the power of the Holy Spirit. And these are the marvelous ways that we recognize God's activity within our life, providing for us through friendships, loving community, teachers, professors, neighbors, friends. Opening up opportunities we would have never imagined before. Connecting us with people we wouldn't have predicted. Helping us to grow in ways far beyond our own imagination. And when we look, we take it all in It's too much to even try to count on a spreadsheet. We recognize the overflowing abundance. There's leftovers. We have so many reasons to be thankful. I recognize that as we step into this week, things may not be exactly the way that you would have engineered it. There might be somebody who's not able to be there, for whatever the reason may be. There may be a strained relationship. There may be an economic hardship. There may be a difficult decision looming. There may be unanswerable questions. Through it all, I want us to be able to say with the psalmist, Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Why? Because my cup runneth over. We are here. God is here. God is here within you, within the people who are with you. We have an abundance, an overflow, leftovers of blessings. And we give thanks to God. Amen.